dinosaur, and I like to roar and stomp with my big feet. <laughs> and the fence is down, and I'm free to clown so many humans for me to eat. <laughs> <laughs> it's Jurassic Park. It's Jurassic Park. A great place to pay to die. <laughs> I love it. This is irresponsible. Yeah, of course. You know how long we've waited to do this movie. Yeah, and I feel like I'm going to spoil it all for you now. Capitalism is the bad guy. It is the main villain. I did Lil Onions. <laughs> Main feet. Yeah. Season five. Yeah, I know. Five? <laughs> I'm sick. I'm ill. <laughs> this is our fifth year. I know. In July, it'll be five years. Yeah, I know. Are you fucking kidding me? What happened? <laughs> Where is the time gone? Where did the time go? It's starting to fly. <laughs> Welcome back to Kicking and Streaming, where life, uh, uh, finds a way. I'm Carrie. I'm Ross. And this week we are talking about the 1993 Steven Spielberg blockbuster, Jurassic Park. We are hitting it out of the park to begin with, folks. <laughs> we got a great theme for you this beginning month of our 2024 season, which is dinosaur content. Yeah, no. Oh, uh, <laughs> We are reaching back through time, holding our inner child's hand, and telling them it's going to be okay. With dinosaurs. With dinosaurs, Carrie. Uh-huh. I was that little boy. I know you were. I wasn't a little paleontologist, but I thought, look dinosaur shit. Oh, we'll get into it. I promise. No, we will get into it. Before we get started, don't forget, as always, go follow us on Twitter at Kick and Stream. K-I-C-K-N-S-T-R-E-A-M. Fuck you, Elon. <laughs> if you want to write the show, you can do so at Kicking and Streaming Podcast at gmail.com. That's with an and, not an ampersand. And don't forget, folks, we are hyper-plugging the Patreon this year. Please go over there and check out our content. And if you consume our content, please be practicing the three R's. Rate, review, retweet. Rate, review, retweet. Folks, we want everyone to come and join our little dinosaur watch party. Get your get your dino jammies. <laughs> dino jammies! Get a good drink. We're going to pop some popcorn, eat some cookies. Maybe heat up some dino nugs. Oh, my God. Why wasn't that the first item on my list? <laughs> dino nuggets. Dino nuggets are supreme. All right. Are you ready to get prehistoric? I can't even with your bad segue. I, <laughs> what? This movie is a classic. I said it. I fucking said it. I know we're over that the use of that word, but <laughs> no, I, I I completely agree. It can be called nothing else. There it is. Welcome to Jurassic Park. We've made living biological attractions so astounding that they'll capture the imagination of the entire planet. The most phenomenal discovery of our time How'd you do this? becomes the greatest adventure of all time. Can I touch it? Sure. Universal Pictures presents 
You feel that? Hold on to your butts. A Steven Spielberg film. Senses are failing all over the park. Yeah, that's nice. Gotta go. An adventure. Look out! No! I can't get Jurassic Park back online. 65 million years in the making. Jurassic Park. Nineteen ninety-three. You were one year old. I was. And guys, guess who's here? Fucking Steve. It's Steven Spielberg, and how could it not be? Exactly. Oh, uh, what have we done, Spielberg, on here already? Well, there's definitely Hook. Yeah, we did Hook. We did the Goonies. Yeah, we did the Color Purple. <laughs> Guys, there are other Spielbergs that we will get to. Oh, yeah, also Lincoln. We did Lincoln. Yeah. As well. Um, and War of the Worlds. So we've done our fair share of Spielberg, but this is like key Spielberg. It is. So, you know. <laughs> this is Spielberg in like his heyday. And we'll get to Saving Private Ryan and Schindler's List and E.T. down the line. Okay, don't worry. <laughs> don't worry. It's coming. Wait, That's you're going to make me do Schindler's List? He was also affiliated, let me just say, he was also affiliated with Gremlins and Who Framed Roger Rabbit. Yeah. Both of which we've done. And, you know, back to the future. Spielberg, he is one of the greatest filmmakers of all time. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's a little pretentious and kind of an asshole, but like... So are many of the greatest filmmakers s- that have ever lived. So are many men who made films in the 70s, 80s, and 90s. So, <laughs> Which is our wheelhouse, baby. Okay. So today's source material is Michael Crichton's 1990 novel of the same name, Jurassic Park. Is it really Crichton? It is Crichton. I know. Crichton. I've been pronouncing it Crichton my whole life. Crick, Crichton. Crichton. <laughs> Crichton. Um, he is an American author, screenwriter, and filmmaker. He, of course, worked closely with the filmmakers on this. I like a writer who's willing to let you botch their novel a little bit, but also have a hand in writing the exactly. adaptation. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Like, <laughs> he's a keenly in his literary sense he's keenly staying on the theme of science fiction and technological thrillers he's explored the topics of genetic modification uh paleontology biotechnology zoology he's he's a he's a little he's a little thinker that one michael crichton (laughs) r.i.p Oh, really? Yeah, 15 years now, or 16 years it will be this November. I literally had no idea. Yeah, he's gone. I'm sorry. He was, fuck, he was married five times. Uh Uh-oh. He's also got an MD from Harvard. What? I know. Okay, Michael. It is what? He's a doctor of medicine. What? That's what an MD is. Dr. Michael Crichton? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, absolutely. All right. And uh, he's been writing shit since the 50s. Wow. I know. Okay. Was. Uh, all right. Sorry. <laughs> He's notable for things like uh, the Andromeda Strain, the Great Train Robbery, uh, Congo, Ooh. Uh, Disclosure. Uh-huh. You know that movie? In, in Big Mouth when they make a musical version of Disclosure? Yep. I, I cannot. State of Fear, Timeline Next, and of course The Lost World, mm-hmm. Empire of the Rising Sun. He's all over your literary and film watching lexicon. So Universal Pictures comes to Spielberg, right? And they're like, hey, we really like this book. You're going to love this Michael Crichton guy. And Spielberg's (laughs) like, great, give me a million and a half dollars and we'll talk. And so they did. And (laughs) for an extra $500,000, he's like, fine, 
we'll do this. We'll bring it to the screen. Let's meet. And so, you know, they put together a draft with Michael Crichton in consultation. Um, the whole idea of bringing these creatures to life in a computer animated way was something that was a really exciting notion at the time. Again, this is the early 90s. This is literally 30 years ago. And <laughs> the fact that the world has changed so much since yeah. you were literally born, mm-hmm. I, I, sorry, I'd but stop. I know. <laughs> I think it's interesting that I, I don't remember if we actually mentioned this uh, at the end of last year when we talked about Lord of the Rings, but the technological advancements in CGI in this movie is what made Peter Jackson think he could actually bring Lord of the Rings to the screen. Oh, yeah, that's right. This was an inspo. This was an inspo for Peter Jackson in mm-hmm. making his trilogy. Yes. And it's not all CGI either. We'll talk about the animatronics, believe me. But, you know, it won three Oscars. Yeah. And it was, you know, it's in the National Film Registry at the Library of Congress for being culturally, historically, and aesthetically significant. Snaps for Jurassic Park. Let's also talk about that multimedia franchise that this sparked. I'm talking five sequels. Yep. Yep. Can you believe it? Jurassic World Dominion just came out last year. Holy cannoli. There's also The Lost World, Jurassic Park 3, Jurassic World, Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom. (laughs) And now we have Dominion. So what? We get Jurassic Park Empire next? I don't I don't I, know. I, I, a slew of television series, video games, actual theme park attractions. Yep. And comic books. But yeah, no. Michael Crichton, you don't know what you did. Well, he did. But like, he does know what he did. <laughs> Talk about a $935 million profit. <laughs> Somewhere in there. That's bananas. And you know, it's not even two hours. I know. Well, it's about to be, but like, you know, it's a little over two hours, but it's a summer movie. Came out in June 1993. And guys, oh, we've got a great team here. Every Whenever you see Steven Spielberg's name, you're going to see Kathleen Kennedy's name. You know she produces. She's produced a slew of films that we've done on this podcast. Uh, Michael Crichton wrote the screenplay with David Coep. Kep? Mm-hmm. David Kep. Coep? <laughs> Whatever. Hi, David. <laughs> Hi, David. I, he's, do, he's done Indiana Jones and Mission Impossible and Spider-Man. I do want to mention that um, this was the highest grossing film of all time until Titanic. <laughs> four years later. Yeah. And um, because those graphics, right? Everyone in the world wanted to see this movie. In the same way everyone in the world wants to come to this theme park in the movie. <laughs> to see dinosaurs? Uh, Are you kidding me? Absolutely. And guys, you know I love me a film score. Uh-huh. And this is one of the most well-known film scores out there. Mr. John Williams. <laughs> Sir John Williams? Maybe. No, he's not knighted. Oh my God. King Charles, get on that, please. <laughs> Maybe that's going to be one of his last acts on Earth. Like, it <laughs> is knighting John Williams. John Williams! I'm a dinosaur and I like to roar. <laughs> Gavin, help me with that. I know he did. <laughs> Music by John Williams, lyrics by Gavin Paler and Carrie Ann McMichael. <laughs> and, folks, you might have guessed it, but. We have names. Oh, it feels so good to say that again. I know. And it's been guys, a while. It's been a while since we've been behind the mic. Do we ever have <laughs> names? But we're dealing with a cast of characters that vary from mathematicians to paleontologists to corporate attorneys and children. So, <laughs> and children. You know. Starring as Dr. Alan Grant, paleontologist, we have the one, 
the only Sam Neill. Uh, you know he's from New Zealand. He is not. He is. He is a New Zealander. He's a Kiwi. I don't know that I've ever seen him in a movie where he does that accent. Mm-hmm. So that's interesting. Actually, you know, he's Irish-born. Oh, but a New Zealander. Okay. I love that. That's so sexy when you think about it. <laughs> uh, Sam Neill, uh, My Brilliant Career, Possession, Evil Angels, Cry in the Dark, The Hunt for Red October, The Piano in the Mouth of Madness, Ross, a movie you and I absolutely must watch. Event Horizon. Uh Uh-huh, I've always heard about Event Horizon, but never have made the leap. Oh, he's in Peaky Blinders. He's in The Simpsons. Um, Merlin from the late 90s. Yep. Okay. Oh, he's in that movie Alcatraz. Anyway, Alan, you do a great job. This is the only thing I know you from, but... Well, I will soon change that, believe you me. Portraying in the book, the female lead is supposed to be his student... Ew. Yeah, but I think they've upgraded her to spouse in the movie, which I think is more appropriate, but... I don't even think they're married, though. I think they're just boyfriend and girlfriend, but... Anyhow's it. Anyhow's it. Anywho's it. (laughs) As Dr. Ellie Sattler, paleobotanist, we have the one, the only, the scintillating, the lesbian who won't just admit it... Laura Dern. She was with us when we covered prize winner of Defiance, Ohio. Yes, she was. She's also famously um, the woman that makes Ellen realize she's gay on Ellen. Yeah, (laughs) I feel that. Oh my gosh, guys, love Laura Dern. Of course, this might be one of her most famous works, but uh, she was just in uh, Greta Gerwig's adaptation of Little Women. Mm -hmm. Uh, She's in Star Wars. She's in The Last Jedi. Yeah. uh, Ooh, Twin Peaks, Big Little Lies. Big Little lies i was about to say pretty little liars that's a completely different thing she wore blue velvet stop it blue velvet from 1986 (laughs) i love ellie ellie and ellie makes me live this entire time absolutely she's the least problematic character (laughs) anyway portraying mathematician dr ian malcolm Chaotician, chaotician, actually. Please welcome, <laughs> please welcome back. I hate you. <laughs> please welcome back to Kicking and Streaming, Jeff Goldblum. He was with us in our second ever coverage of Kicking and Streaming when we did Independence Day. Oh my God, have we done a single other Jeff Goldblum movie since that? I feel like we had to have, but I don't know that we have, Carrie. Me either. It's been five years, guys. Give us a give us a break. He's but- in the fucking MCU, but I don't want to talk about it. <laughs> Life Aquatic with Steve Suzu, Grand Budapest Hotel. Uh, he, you know him from Apartments.com. Yeah. Ads. <laughs> Earth Girls are easy. We will be covering this movie <laughs> one day. One day. Sada, I know you're listening. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh the my fact God. that he was married to Gina Davis for four years. Why is he sexy? I don't know. He looks like a frog. Like, why? <laughs> and you know what we have to look forward to oh, later? yeah, because he's going to be the great and powerful Oz and Wicked. <laughs> That's going to be awkward as hell. I can't wait. Portraying a Jurassic Park owner, founder, and entrepreneur and billionaire fuckwad capitalist, (laughs) Dr. John Hammond, though he is going to jail. (laughs) He is going to prison. Please welcome back to Kicking and Streaming, Sir Richard Attenborough. He was with us when we covered Elizabeth because he's 
uh, Lord Burley. He's yes. uh, yeah, and yes. he is was also with us when we covered Joseph and the Amazing Technicolor <gasps> Dreamcoat because he's Jacob Joseph's mother. She was quite my favorite wife. I never really loved another all my life. You'll know his brother David from narrating uh, Planet Earth or whatever. Yeah, um, he's also uh, the Great Escape. He's Santa Claus in that Miracle on 34th Street adaptation. Oh, when he's signing with the deaf girl. Oh, I know y'all have. His lap. Yeah, I know y'all have seen that on TikTok. That is such a dear scene. I can't I wait know. to cover that movie. Love you, Richard. R.I.P. Portraying Chief Game Warden of Jurassic Park, Robert Muldoon, we have Bob Peck. Um, you'll know him from, he's Ronald Graven from Edge of Darkness. He got a BAFTA for that. Ooh. He's also Robert Muldoon from Jurassic Park. <laughs> Those are the two things I know. Anyway, portraying fuckwad corporate attorney Donald Gennaro, we have Martin Ferrero. I think that's hilarious. Ferrero Gennaro? Ferrero Gennaro. (laughs) He's Izzy Moreno from Miami Vice, you know, from the 80s. Yeah. Anyway. Portraying geneticist Dr. Henry Wu, we have the wonderful Beatty Wong. Please welcome him to Kicking and Streaming. You know what I'm going to say. And I do know what you're going to say, so <laughs> go ahead and say it. You might know him best from his enduring role on Law & Order SVU as Dr. George Wong. Like, he's he is just some of my favorite entertainment. He's Father Mukata in Oz. And he is Lee Shang in Mulan. That's right. He is Lee Shang. <laughs> Isn't he gay as fuck? He is gay as fuck! Yes! Yes! I love it. One of us! One of us. (laughs) Portraying Lex Murphy is Ariana Richards. Tell the little Ariana Richards story. Okay, like, listen, they they auditioned a lot of little girls to play this child role. The real reason she got it was because when they were holding auditions, Ariana was the only one who managed to wake up Steven Spielberg's sleeping wife from an adjacent room. When she was asleep? Yeah, she was asleep. And that little girl screamed so loud, the wife ran down the hall to make sure all the kids were okay. And I just, I love that. That's perfect. Portraying her little brother, Tim, Tim Murphy, we have Joseph Mazzello. Um, He'll know him from things like The Social Network. Uh, He played John Deacon in Bohemian Rhapsody. Really? Yeah, the bass player from Queen. Okay. I know, I know. As chief engineer of Jurassic Park, Ray Arnold, we have Samuel L. Jackson. Please welcome him back to Kicking and Streaming. He's been with us multiple times. He has been with us multiple times. He was with us when we covered... Kill Bill. Yeah, and he was in volume two. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, and he was also with us when we covered The Incredibles. Mm -hmm. Because he's Frozone. (laughs) Where is... My super suit. Guys, Pulp Fiction, Unbreakable, Snakes on a Plane. <laughs> He's in the Kingsman movies. <laughs> Um, oh my gosh, um, fuck. Uh he's in he's in the fucking MCU. He's also Jedi Master Mace Windu in the Star Wars prequels. <laughs> you like Mace I, Windu. I, I do like Mace Windu. He's fun. He's fun. Please welcome back to Kicking and Streaming in the iconic role of Dennis Nedry, Mr. Wayne Knight. (laughs) He was with us when we covered JFK. (laughs) Yup. I feel like there's other things. There has to be a voice role. Is he only in Toy Story 2? 
Yeah. Oh, okay. Oh, wait, because he's out. Yeah. <laughs> I can't believe I got to drive all the way to work on a Saturday. All the way to work. And drives right across the street. We have to do that movie this year. <laughs> uh, basic Instinct. Oh, he was with us when we covered Space Jam. Yes. He's in that movie, Rat Race. <laughs> What a blight mm. on filmmaking. Which we will cover. No! Yes! I'm making you. It's too it's too much of an acid trip to not do it. <laughs> okay. He's also the voice of Tantor from Tarzan. <gasps> really? Oh, I remember? Ne- yeah. I've yeah. never realized. He is. Okay, uh, all right. He's Don Orville from Third Rock from the Sun. Also, Seinfeld. Yeah, he's Newman from Seinfeld. <laughs> we have to get to the content now. Yeah, we do. All right, guys, bear with us. This movie opens three different times. It's, it's all important. I know, but it's also kind of the anti-Return uh, of the King. Return of the King ends three times. Jurassic Park opens three times. But you know what I love, though? What? From the second you get going with those studio cards and title cards, it's just the sound of wilderness. <laughs> And that's where I wrote, according to Carrie, this film starts three times. <laughs> no, yeah, our first opening, we are on the ground in Jurassic Park. Isla Nublar. Yes. 120 miles west of Costa Rica. This gigantic crate is being loaded next to this reinforced compound. No less than 20 men are standing around with tasers ready to fight whatever might break out of this crate the noises these creatures are making i know doesn't it make you like uh like they're putting this thing in a fortress like the amount of time my butthole is puckered throughout this entire film and this one guy who was on top of the crate gets pulled down into the negative space between the crate and the compound the screeching oh i and then we have Robert Muldoon on the scene, right? Mm-hmm. We don't know him yet, but we will. <laughs> Shoot us! Shoot us! Her? Her? Who's her? <laughs> I don't know her. <laughs> We then go to our second opening, right? At Mono D at Mono de Mios Amber Mine in the Dominican Republic. Yeah, Amber, as we will find out later, is going to be very important to the larger narrative of this story, but Don Gennaro's a corporate attorney, right? Yeah, he and, is arriving. And he's here hoping to meet with a Mr. John Hammond, who is not here, but Don has legal things to discuss on account of a worker getting murked to death by a reanimated dinosaur. <laughs> So we go into the mine, right? And what's Gennaro saying? He's saying if we can get two experts to sign off on this park, we're going to make buku bunches of money, right? Because he represents the park's investors. Mm -hmm. And they want to know we can move forward with this park without being sued to death. Yeah. And he's like, the insurance claims are going to go out the door if we can just get this started. (laughs) And like, how many people have died? That's what I want to know. How many people have died so that John Hammond can shock the world? No, I know, I know. Like, <laughs> and then when we go into the amber mine, uh huh, and we fu- we see it, the amber, the 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 tiny little mosquito trapped in the amber brick. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's just an image I love. If two experts sign up on the island. The insurance guys will back off. 
I've already got Ian Malcolm, but they think he's too trendy. They want Alan Grant. Grant? <laughs> You'll never get him out of Montana. Why not? Because Grant's like me. He's a digger. We go to our third opening at the Badlands near Snakewater, Montana, where paleontologist Dr. Alan Grant and his girly Dr. Ellie Sattler, who is a professional in her own right, thank you. Yes, she is a paleobotanist. Which, what the fuck? I get paleontologists. You have a lot to work with as far as the fossil record goes. But paleobotany? That's gotta be hard. You do understand that plants can also be fossilized, right? Yeah, but like I feel like it's harder. <laughs> okay. Like you look at a fossil, you're like, that is a creature. And <laughs> you're looking at a fossil of a plant, and you're like, what is this? <laughs> it's a plant. Okay, fine. But they have just unearthed a velociraptor skeleton. This is a very big deal. This is what they do. They go on archaeological digs. They document what they find. And, you know, we're, we're all learning here today, right? Technology's improving. They fire a gun into the ground, and some radar images come back. And, yep, it's a dinosaur. <laughs> Grant's whole thing is that dinosaurs turned into birds. Raptor literally means bird of prey. Mm-hmm. And then I love this because when they're looking at that radar image that comes back, a 10-year-old Leah Delaria walks up. <laughs> that is not that child's name. <laughs> I get what you're saying, though. And it's like, that shit don't look very scary, <laughs> which leads to Grant's horrifying explanation of the velociraptor. Oh my god, he starts playing mind games with this child, talking about how raptors are pack hunters, and they will be on you like shit on Velcro before you are even aware that they are there. I have a question. What? Why is there a child on this dig site? Is this someone's kid? I. What I literally wrote is this is somebody's brat. Uh, yeah. This is a doctor's, this is a scientist's brat, and he's just here because... It's his weekend. And then he takes that raptor talon out of his pocket. And he slashes at you with this. Six-inch retractable claw, like a razor, on the middle toe. He doesn't bother to bite your jugular like a lion, say. No, no. He slashes at you here. Or here. Or maybe across the belly, spilling your intestines. The point is... You are alive when they start to eat you. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no. Uh-uh. I'll look at pictures. I'll look at pictures. <laughs> but you don't want to be anywhere near these apex predators, right? And so this is to make the point. I guess Grant doesn't like kids. No, a couple of things about Grant. Not only is he generally grumpy, he also hates technology and he also hates children. I, I think it's strong to say that he hates children. He doesn't like kids. Like, he and Ellie have been together, I feel like, for a while. And she kind of wants kids. Mm-hmm. But he is really against the idea. And, you know, they're headed back to their camper. This asshole swoops in with a helicopter and wrecks the dig. Yeah, their dig site is being disturbed by the helicopter arrival of John Hammond, the owner of Jurassic Park. He's sitting in their trailer, rummaging around in their fridge. (laughs) What the hell are you doing? (laughs) Or whatever he says. Hey, his Scottish accent is something... Yeah? You like it? It's a little off. It's a (laughs) little... 
Okay, it's a little I feel like Richard Attenborough is so British that he couldn't even possibly be Scottish, you know? (laughs) Hammond is one of their benefactors. He gives them 50 grand a year to fund their research. When Ellie bursts in the trailer, all right, who's the jerk? (laughs) It's one of our benefactors, actually, sweetheart. (laughs) Um, This is Hammond. Uh, Did I say jerk? (laughs) Now, I'll get right to the point. Um, I like you. Both of you. I can tell instantly about people. It's a gift. I own an island off the coast of Costa Rica. I've leased it from the government and I've spent the last five years setting up a kind of biological preserve. Really spectacular. Spared no expense. Make the one I've got down in Kenya look like a petting zoo. Quirky. He's obviously exorbitantly wealthy. He's very charming. I'm sure he was hot as fuck when he was young. (laughs) He walks with a limp and carries that super cool cane that has that bulb of amber on the handle. With the mosquito inside. Oh my god! And when he's like, I'll get right to the point. I spent the last five years setting up a biological preserve. And he's like, listen, we're going to open this attraction next year. That is if the lawyers don't kill me first. (laughs) And again, guys, the villain is capitalism because his investors need some more goddamn opinions from experts before they can open this shit up and call it safe. And he's like, if I could just persuade you guys to sign off on this park and give it your endorsement, I could probably get back on schedule to open on time. So what I don't understand is why we're playing playing KG about the dinosaurs. Because anybody who's come to see this movie, obviously we know what we're in for, but he's playing KG with the scientists. He doesn't come right out and say they have dinosaurs. If he really wanted them to say yes immediately to coming down there for a weekend, he would have said, we have genetically engineered dinosaurs on this island. But instead, in order to keep up the mystique, he promises to fully fund their dig For another three years. And they're like weak at the knees. And they're like, yeah, 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 let's do that. For two days of their time. Yeah, like he's like literally just come over. Can you just come to Costa Rica for the weekend and (laughs) sign off on my park? Like, that'd be great. Uh, Because apparently Grant and Sattler are at the top of their field. Yeah. They're like big balls. They've written books. They've set standards. Like, (laughs) All right, Ross. (laughs) Time to talk about one of our antagonists. Okay, yeah. So here we go. We then go to San Jose. It's the capital of Costa Rica in Central America. There's a conspicuous white man with a bag coming to meet Newman or Wayne Knight or Dennis Nedry. Dennis Nedry is a engineer at, for Jurassic Park. Yeah, he's a systems programmer. All of the security systems, power supply, he's a huge part in keeping all of that running smoothly. And this conspicuous white man, Dodson. <laughs> Dodson? Yeah. We've got Dodson here. He works for a company that is competing Mm -hmm. With the company that is helping John Hammond out. And so basically, Dachshund's going to give Dennis $1.5 million to steal all of the um, biological data that his company has. All the dinosaur embryos. Give it to them. (laughs) He's going to have to smuggle these embryos off the island in a fake can of Barbasol shaving cream. How am I supposed to transport them? (laughs) It's cool to compartmentalize inside. <laughs> you got so that's great. Customs can even check it if they want to. Let me see. Go on. There's enough coolant inside for 36 hours. No menthol? The, em- <laughs> the embryos have to be back here in San Jose by then. And that's up to your guy on the boat. 7 o'clock tomorrow night on the east dock. Make sure he gets it right. 
On the way to the island in the helicopter, Grant and Hammond are meeting the lawyer Gennaro and Dr. Ian Malcolm, who is a self-described chaotician, which is just a fancy word for mathematician, but he studies chaos theory or what we would colloquially know as the butterfly effect, right? This is the thing that Michael Crichton set out to explore when he wrote the book was chaos theory. Yeah. Dr. Sadler, Dr. Grant, you've heard of of chaos theory? No. No? Nonlinear equations? Strange attractors? Dr. Sadler, I I refuse to believe that you aren't familiar with the concept of attraction. There are a lot of factors in this gigantic experiment that's going on on this island, right? It's the way Dr. Malcolm was new from the beginning, been new from the beginning, <laughs> yeah. and is right the entire time, is Jeff Goldblum, and manages to be sexy. Oh, he's wearing a leather jacket. He's flirting with Ellie the whole I, ride I, over. I, I, I can't with the flirting. <laughs> I can't. Also, I love... I love Alan and Ellie's gendered clothing. Yeah. Him in blue, her in pink. Like (laughs) when Hammond says, you'll have to get used to Dr. Malcolm. He suffers from a deplorable excess of personality, (laughs) especially for a mathematician. Chaotician, chaotician, actually. (laughs) And then Carrie, this is such a moment. Hammond's eyes brightening and widening. There it is. love when they're landing in the helicopter and Grant can't get his seatbelt fastened. He can't find the male end to the seatbelt, so he just has to take two female ends and tie them together, which is some fabulous foreshadowing, by the way. But can I also just say, the shots of that toy helicopter <laughs> flying through mountains, I like... Think that's a real helicopter, bud. I think it's a toy. Okay, fine. You're right. It could very well be real, but I, if they're if they're getting those shots of a real helicopter, that's some amazing film work right there. And guys, you know, the Jurassic Park Jeeps roll up when they get out of the helicopter. Great product placement, by the way. Yeah, that's the thing. This... If you had a Jeep and it was the 90s, you had it made. Like They still have no idea what they're here to look at. Passing through the gates that say danger, 10,000 volts. <laughs> 50 miles of perimeter fence, motion detectors, concrete reinforcements. <laughs> they still have no idea what they're here to look at, even though the Jeeps are branded. The Jurassic Park branding literally features a T-Rex skeleton. It's on the car doors. <laughs> you think these multiple PhDs would have figured this out by now, but... It's setting us up for that big reveal scene, right? We go into the middle of nothing. (laughs) And they see it. This is such a cinematic moment. It is. Sattler, she's looking down at this leaf she's picked up along the way. (laughs) And she's like, Alan, this has been extinct since the Cretaceous period. She doesn't even understand how she's holding it in her hand. Yeah, I know. And it's the way he turns her whole head to look at what she is looking at. Carrie, what are they looking at? A brachiosaur. (laughs) 
there's a dinosaur. Uh -huh. The Brachiosaurus is the largest animal to ever walk the earth. Isn't that incredible? And it's a colossal animal. They're looking at it. They're looking at it. Its Gr head is 50 feet in the air. Grant is completely gagged. It's a dinosaur. <laughs> and Malcolm, you did it. You crazy son of a bitch, you did it. <laughs> and you know what? Graphically, for 1993, it's all right. It's pretty good. Like, you know, like, I'm not under any illusions here, but like... No, it's the way, because this is the thing. They've studied these animals for their entire professional career, and it's the way he looks out, Grant looks out over the expanse and sees more of the brachiosaur moving together through that lake. How fast are they? Well, we clocked the T-Rex at 32 miles an hour. T-Rex? Mm-hmm. You said you've got a T-Rex? Uh-huh. Say again. <laughs> we have a T-Rex. But I remember I was watching this with Dad one time, and he the way he threw his hand up at the screen and went, how the fuck do they know what they actually look like? <laughs> and that's the thing. All these paleontologists, they dig in the earth, they find the bones, but how the hell do we know what their skin looks like? Like, yeah. we have no idea of knowing. And I'm like, okay, stop, stop ruining this for me. <laughs> I'm a child. Like, no, Dad! <laughs> Makes a valid point. You know, a lot of, you know, archaeology is a guess. A lot of paleontology is a guess unless you find a perfectly preserved skeleton. Which and we we're gonna have before, but you know. Yeah, but like we're gonna come back to this. There is information in this movie that is now outdated, you know, in yeah. 2024. So guys, this ignited the whole world's interest. And I'm not even just talking about in the movie. I'm talking about the actual world. When this happened and this came on screen for audiences for the first time, it was just it. It was mesmerizing. People could not fucking believe what they were watching. Spielberg, you don't know what you did. <laughs> when he mentions they have a T-Rex. Yeah. <laughs> and Sad. Alan has to put his head between your knees. Put your head knees. between your knees. <laughs> so now we're going to the visitor center. And the, their own dinosphere. Yeah. Guys, here in Indianapolis, Indiana, we have the largest children's museum in the world. And the biggest attraction at the children's museum is the dinosphere. <laughs> when we went to the children's museum as kids, I don't give a fuck what the rest of you want to do. I'm going to the dinosphere. <laughs> and like uncovering the fossils. Doing a fake dig. <laughs> yeah. And crawling through that thing with all the bones. It's also so cool because when you drive up to the children's museum, one of the main things about the exterior is the brachiosaur coming through the wall. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I it's love that. so cool! Now we're entering the expository portion of the movie where we have to fact dump about the pseudoscience. The most advanced theme park in the world. We created something so astounding it will capture the imagination of the entire planet. And listen, we're going to skim a lot of this because... You're going to let Mr. DNA explain it? Well, I am going to let Mr. DNA explain some of it, okay, but... Okay, but first of all, the welcome film, <laughs> the okay. video, the video explains everything with the help of Mr. DNA, right? <laughs> oh, Mr. DNA, where did you come from? From your blood. Just one drop of your blood contains billions of strands of DNA, the building blocks of life. A DNA strand like me is a blueprint for building a living thing. 
and sometimes animals that went extinct millions of years ago, like dinosaurs, left their blueprints behind for us to find. I'll save you the titillation. It's cloning technology, right? Mm -hmm. They take dinosaur blood from a million-year-old mosquito. Trapped in amber. Trapped in the amber and perfectly preserved. And they extract the dinosaur DNA. And the thing about all of this is, even though I'm not a paleontologist or a scientist, I find it all completely plausible. I don't. Really? So... Okay, you want to go through this? I guess. I guess we're not skimming. So, (laughs) obviously when they extract the blood from those, um, you know, ancient mosquitoes, it's going to be full of holes, right? Because it's so degraded over time. The genetic code within the DNA contained within that dinosaur blood. Mm -hmm. Dino DNA! (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And so what they've decided to do is to fill in the gaps that have been created in the DNA strand with the genetic makeup of a frog the dna of a frog yeah that makes no fucking sense to me it i will tell you from what i have read it is possible frogs are amphibians i understand they're not reptiles like what i'm telling you is that a genetic code can be replaced with parts of another genetic code to make a clone i'm not saying these brachiosaurs should be ribbiting and jumping everywhere and causing (laughs) earthquakes Anyway. And like this little ride that they're on while they're watching the video. (laughs) When the theater turns into a ride. And it takes them past the lab where these dinosaurs are being engineered and hatched. This is overwhelming. Like All three of the scientists force their way off this ride so they can go into the lab where the technicians are working with the embryos. They can't do that. Can they do that? (laughs) And like, they should not be allowed to be in that lab unscrubbed. They really shouldn't. And but we, we have Henry Wu, don't we? Oh, Dr. Wu. Dr. B.D. Wong. There are new eggs hatching today, Yeah, right? just in time because the dinosaur is being born and it's gross. Hammond yeah. insists on being there for the birth of every creature. So, like, they'll imprint on him and think he's their mummy? Yeah. <laughs> it's a little weird. Also, it would take much longer for this little hatching to happen. You know what? It's the way it happens in less than a minute. And didn't you just accuse dad of poo-pooing on this? Like, come on. Okay, no. But when when Hammond is like watching the dinosaur egg crack open and the dinosaur (laughs) be born, what is iconic is when it pokes its little evil face out for the first time. It's what's iconic is the way Laura Dern goes, oh, God. (laughs) It's very reflective of how we all feel because this is a little disturbing. That little dinosaur puppet. It's like a baby bird. It's so ugly. It's cute, you know? Exactly. And the screeching. They imprint on the first creature they come in contact with. That's it. Helps them to trust me. I've been present for the birth of every little creature on this island. Surely not the ones that have bred in the the wilds. Uh, Actually, they can't breed in the wilds. Population control is one of our security precautions. There's no unauthorized breeding in Jurassic Park. Henry Wu explains to all of us that the way that dinosaurs are allowed to exist and be created is very controlled within the park. Even though there are multiple dinosaurs in multiple habitats, the animals cannot breed in the wild because all of the dinosaurs are female. When he crosses his arms and goes, we control their chromosomes, it's really not that difficult. (laughs) Shut the fuck up! 
You made dinosaurs. Shit's difficult. Like, they just don't give them the necessary gene to make them male, right? We, we deny them that. Deny <laughs> them that? Of course Malcolm's going to have a huge problem with all of this because he thinks there are too many factors to be able to stop the animals from breeding. John, the kind of control you're attempting is... Uh... It's not possible. Listen, if there's one thing the history of evolution has taught us, it's that life will not be contained. Life breaks free, it expands to new territories, and it crashes through barriers painfully, maybe even dangerously. You're implying that a group composed entirely of female animals will breed? No, I'm, I'm simply saying that life uh, finds a way. When Alan is holding the baby, and he goes, <laughs> what species is this? Which, how would he not know that? And Henry just casually, uh, it's a velociraptor. <laughs> and the, 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 the narrow-eyed look at Wu, you bred raptors. <laughs> and Wu's just like slow head nod. Yeah, I'm like, like <laughs> you mean these apex predators? We see them go to the velociraptor enclosure <laughs> where they're going to feed a whole fucking cow. That poor cow being lowered into the enclosure on a crane and its eyes just say, help. They're at the place we were at at the very beginning. Yeah, that first opening. All we see is treetops shaking <laughs> and screeching. Don't fall. Don't fall. And, and I couldn't work here. I know. I, I'd be so overwhelmed every day. And Robert Muldoon, he's the game warden here at the park. He's the Hagrid of Jurassic Park. Yeah, he, when he comes up to them and he's like, well, they're lethal at eight months <laughs> yeah. we can clock them at 60 miles per hour and um when grant goes are they intelligent he like really wants to know i love grant's whole sense of wonder he's already so educated on this subject but he now he wants to know more yeah there's so much more to know now that they're real and muldoon is here to scare the shit out of us about the raptors he's when he says the big one came in and took over the pride that one when she looks at you you can see she's working things out. She says she killed all but two of them. And I'm like, this is her. Uh-huh. That's her. Yeah. When she looks at you, you can see she's working things out. That's why we have to feed them like this. She had them all attacking the fences when the feeders came. The fences are electrified though, right? That's right, but they never attacked the same place twice. They were testing the fences for weaknesses systematically. They remember. That always makes me shit my pants, especially when it's punctuated by that crane coming out of the enclosure completely mangled by the three raptors that are in there. We're now at lunch because somehow people have an appetite. Hammond is hair on fire, excited about this whole experience, and it is a miraculous thing. I'm not discounting that, but again, it is all about money for Gennaro, uh-huh. and Hammond says, uh-uh, no. This will not be a place just for the rich and famous. He says everyone in the world has the right to enjoy these animals. And that makes me want to like Hammond. But at the same time, there's a gross amount of criminal negligence he, about to take place. He does not know what he is doing. And Malcolm is verbally spanking Hammond oh, over the fact... Malcolm's super uncomfortable. Oh, I know. They are not respecting nature here. He calls it from the beginning. Uh-huh. He's telling them that they have no real regard for what they're doing. This will go out of control. Your scientists are so preoccupied about whether they could, they never stop to think whether they should. How many movies have we seen where humans played God and it went horribly wrong? <laughs> when Malcolm goes, listen, dinosaurs... 
had their shot and nature selected them for extinction. How and like Hammond's like, I don't believe it. I don't believe it. I bring all you people here, and the only one that's with me is the blood sucking lawyer. And Ellie chimes in with an excellent point of how could you possibly expect to control this environment when it has been extinct for millions of years? There's no testing for that. I love her so much when she she just stares him down as like, You have plants in this building that are poisonous. You pick them because they look good. But these are aggressive living things that have no idea what century they're in, and they'll defend themselves violently if necessary. Dr. Grant, if there's one person here who could appreciate what I'm trying to do, it's just changed so radically, and we're all running to catch up. When Hammond says, how can we stand in the light of discovery and not act? And when Malcolm responds by saying, what you call discovery, I call, call the, the rape, rape of the, the natural, natural world. world. And I'm like, okay, Malcolm, get in bed right now. <laughs> no! They should have listened! Before we embark on our tour, we have one more addition to the group, and that's Hammond's grandkids, who are visiting for the weekend. Alexis and Tim Murphy, the children of his divorced daughter. We have Lex, who is 12 or 13. She's a vegetarian, a computer hacker, which is actually kind of impressive. This is the infancy of computers. Like, this is some war games level of intelligence. Well, you got to remember that her grandpappy is loaded. Yeah, <laughs> that's also true. And then her little brother, Tim, he's seven or eight. He's a dinosaur fan. I wrote the Ross character. Okay. <laughs> Tell right. me I'm wrong. Okay. <laughs> Tell me I'm wrong. I heard that there's this um, meteor um, hit the Earth. Someplace down in Mexico and made this big crater. Listen, uh. Tim. Tim, which car were you planning on? Whichever one you are. Tim's kind of obsessed with Alan, right? Mm -hmm. He's read his book. <laughs> it's kind of cute. Yeah. And he also has thoughts <laughs> about Alan's work. <laughs> And Alexis is also kind of obsessed for, with Alan for different reasons. She thinks he's cute, you know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> if I'm that kid, I'm with Laura Dern. Fuck Alan, you know? Like, Laura Dern's a pretty lady. I'm sticking with her. And the cars roll up driven by no one. I smell technical issues. <laughs> oh, my God. The touchscreen technology in 1993? What the hell? And there's a fucking hurricane on the way as well. And it's the way John just... Waves them off. Have a good time. I know there's a hurricane coming, but have fun. And so John goes to Mission Control to observe the tour from there. And this is where we meet my personally favorite character, Ray Arnold, chief engineer. He's one of my favorite characters in film. <laughs> he really is. <laughs> he does not breathe oxygen. He only <laughs> breathes smoke. Yeah, he's very smart, very funny, and always has a cigarette hanging out of his mouth. Hold on to your butts! <laughs> Literally. Literally. He and Nedry work together, controlling the park, fielding all of the technical and computer problems. The way he's looking at John and he's like, Vehicle headlights are on and they're not responding. Those shouldn't be running off the car batteries. Item 151 on today's glitch list. We have all the problems of a major theme park and a major zoo and the computers aren't even on their feet yet. Dennis. Our lives are in your hands and you have butterfingers? <laughs> I'm totally unappreciated in my time. Uh, my thing is how stately um, Ray's workstation is. 
But then you look at Nedry's workstations. Covered in candy it's bar wrappers. garbage. It's covered in garbage. The whole operation can be run from this one room mm-hmm. that these engineers are in, that Nedry and Arnold and Hammond are in. Nedry's whole thing is we know that Nedry's got a different agenda here. He is the definition of disgruntled. He is mad at Hammond for not getting paid what he thinks he's worth, which I can sympathize with. Yeah. I can sympathize with, but you're literally about to ruin the world, Nedry. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. is it worth it? <laughs> and like, you know, when they're rolling through the big Jurassic Park gates in the jeeps as we're cutting back and forth between the operations center and the tour what do they got in there king kong (laughs) shut up you love that reference though we come first to the uh dilophosaurus paddock and uh, it isn't very friendly but sounds fucking terrifying anyway so i'm good like it's disappointing to begin with because all the dilophosaurus is Dilophosauri? <laughs> All the Dilophosauruses are hiding. Yeah, that's the thing. The tour gets off to a bad start because much like a zoo, just because you have an animal in a habitat, you cannot make it come up to the glass and entertain the visitors, right? And immediately it's irresponsible as well. Yeah, the Dilophosaur... The, 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 the Dilophosaur is a no-show. And so they move on to the Tyrannosaurus Rex paddock, but the T-Rex is also a no-show. Yeah, no T-Rex either. They have to bait it with a live goat. The way that goat just rises out of the ground. <laughs> so that it will approach the electrified fence. Which you know what that means. What? There's a system of tunnels underneath everything. <laughs> yeah. Underneath no. everything. As Grant states. If this is bullshit, he's like. The T-Rex doesn't want to be fed. He wants to hunt. <laughs> it's shaping up to be a pretty boring tour. <laughs> the way Malcolm gets in the camera, in the car. Goes, uh, now, now, eventually, you do plan to have dinosaurs on your on your dinosaur tour, right? Hello? Hello? Yes? I really hate that man. And so... <laughs> this is kind of where he explains chaos theory to Sattler. Yeah. With the touching of the hands and the flirting. You know what, guys? Just go look up chaos theory. I don't uh, even want to explain uh, that. Okay. Alan decides he's getting out of the car. Yeah, Grant's kind of sick of watching Malcolm hit on his girlfriend, so he just exits the Jeep. And I'm sorry, that's a huge design flaw. They should not be allowed to leave that vehicle at all. Why don't those doors lock automatically? (laughs) And everybody in the group is following Grant into the bush. And then they happen upon a Triceratops who is not doing so hot. She seems super sick. Yeah, she's been sedated. There are these other veterinarians around her. They have dino vets. Yeah. That's insane. <laughs> and guys, I can't describe to you mm-hmm. the the Elysium in both Grant and Sattler's eyes. When Alan touches her for the first time, yeah. it's like he's a child again. Like when he's got his whole body on her chest cavity, mm-hmm. feeling her breathe. And Ellie, Ellie's crying. Yeah. They're so close to this thing, they can't believe it. She picks a strange plant out of this dinosaur's mouth, right? Yeah. And she's like, huh, this is interesting. Can I see the poop? <laughs> Can I see a stool sample <laughs> from the dinosaur? That is one big pile of shit. You're right. There's no trace of lilac berries. It's so odd, though. 
these comedically huge gloves she has on both hands, like she's about to artificially inseminate a horse. Now that is one big pile of shit. <laughs> yeah, no, Malcolm's walking up to her, digging through this six foot high pile of triceratop shit. And like, that is one big pile of shit. Meanwhile, back at Mission Control, Muldoon has advised that they cut the tour short. Because there's a fucking hurricane coming! <laughs> yeah! What the fuck, John? And the thing is, is that Nedry is taking the distraction of the storm as an opportunity to start executing his plan to steal the embryos. He's got this island wired, and he's the only one that has all of the facts when it comes to it. Yeah, he's going to shut down the security systems under the guise of debugging the programs so he can sneak past the cameras into the hold where they keep the embryos. And meanwhile, all of the other staff are fucking off before the storm hits to go to the mainland. Yeah. And everyone's being told to leave and Nedry gets to work. And the thing is, Sattler decides to stay with the vets out in the field Mm -hmm. while everyone else continues on with the tour. Great choice, Ellie. (laughs) Great choice. Love your initiative. (laughs) Nedry, meanwhile, his boat guy, the guy down at the ship, is like, I gotta go. Captain says we gotta go. And Nedry's like, listen, I need 20 minutes. Please give me 20 minutes. And he's like, no promises. And Nedry, not nervous at all. says, oh, the systems are going to be offline for a little bit. There's going to be some bugs. (laughs) He's bad at this corporate espionage shit. I'll tell you what. He times it out so well. Yeah. The the security systems start shutting down long enough for Nedry to sneak into that vacuum, steal one of every embryo, and get the hell out of there with his Barbasol can full of dinosaurs. Yeah, no, without incident, none of it even remotely peaks Arnold's interests. The Jeeps are coming back with everybody except Ellie, like you said, and all of a sudden, the Jeeps stop on that automated track. Yeah, because everything's failing. Uh Uh-huh. He's got, Nedry's got that bug going through the whole system. And all the electric fences, except the Raptor fences, put a pin in that, shut completely down. And oh, the phones are out too, so we're really isolated out here. Look at this workstation. What a complete slop. The raptor fences aren't out, are they? No, no, they're still on. Why the hell would he turn the other ones off? Nedry can't be found to fix the fences. And the thing is, they're starting to figure him out. Yeah, they are. Yeah. They're like, holy shit, something's going on here. They're like, we we can't get this back online without him. But Nedry is escaping through the park to the docks so he can leave on the barge with the rest of the faculty and the embryos. But he's fucking lost. Yeah, I know, I know. <laughs> I know. <laughs> he's such a dummy. Yeah. He's trying to drive in the middle of a tropical storm. He did not plan this well. Like, he did, but he didn't, you know? There were some things he failed to account for. The Jeeps have stopped outside the T-Rex compound. Which I don't get. Like, did they come back? I feel like that's a continuity error, but, like... I get what you're saying. Anyway. But, yeah, they have stopped outside the T-Rex paddock, and their radios are down. Everything seems fine until Tim starts feeling that big seismic boom resonate through the cab. Yeah. Which is a fabulous moment. You just see that water moving in the plastic cups on the dashboard. Gennaro, maybe it's just the power trying to come back on. (laughs) Yeah, maybe. 
and then all of a sudden the goat has disappeared? Where's the goat? And its dismembered leg falls on the glass roof of the Jeep? (laughs) And you finally see the shot of the puppeted animatronic T-Rex swallowing the goat. smiling do you see the t-rex grinning after it swallows the goat it took an hour and three minutes for a dinosaur to actually appear and i'm not counting the raptor hatchlings those were finger puppets compared to (laughs) big bertha the t-rex out here so Gennaro is done yeah he leaves the car he abandons those children and goes to hide in the latrine he left us he loved us. There's this bathroom that's right off the track for some reason, and he literally goes and hides in there. If kids are alone. Yeah, in that car by themselves. And guys, the fence begins to come apart <laughs> because there's a colossal animal walking through it. I, my, my favorite shot in the film is the Tyrannosaur coming through the fence. It's so good. It's And you know what? It's kind of upsetting to watch this next part, to watch this literal lizard king defile these children in a jeep. Lizard queen, but okay. You're right. <laughs> I misgendered the Tyrannosaur. You're completely right about that. No, I'm so sorry. I'm calling her Big Bertha for the rest of the Big Bertha! <laughs> I really am. The noises this animal makes. Boy, no head being right all the time. I'd say the way those two men are just sitting there watching it all happen, like, what are they supposed to do, you know? Malcolm and Grant finally see it, and that thing comes through the fence, and Malcolm's like, boy, I hate being right all the time. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. (laughs) This was back in the days when scientists thought a T-Rex's vision was based on movement, which we now know is not correct. But how could it ever be? I know. like, anyway. It's correct for this film, all right? Things got eyes, doesn't it? Like... (laughs) And Lex panics and is trying to signal the other Jeep with a flashlight so the T-Rex knows there's a couple of light snacks inside this Jeep. (laughs) Not light snacks! (laughs) So the T-Rex starts trying to get through the moon roof and ends up flipping the Jeep over on top of the kids. It's crushing those children in that car. Yeah. And so Grant and Malcolm finally find the flares that are in the back of their Jeep. Yeah. And they're leading the tyrannosaur away from the children in the crushed car. Yeah, Malcolm is holding a flare and running to the latrine where Gennaro is hiding, and the T-Rex knocks the latrine over. Malcolm gets injured, and Gennaro gets dead. (laughs) Swallowed whole. Which, whatever. We d- he is a reason why this went awry, so... I always clap for Big Bertha at that point because <laughs> I hated that prick and he abandoned those children. Earlier when he's like, we can charge $2,000 a day, $10,000 a day, and people will pay it. <laughs> Die, you capitalist pig. Guess who's paying now? <laughs> you, Gennaro. Grant gets Lex out of the Jeep, but Timmy is caught. Yeah, and Grant has no choice but to put Lex on his back and climb down into the T-Rex paddock to get away from Big Bertha. And b- b- meanwhile, Bertha is pushing the car <laughs> over 
onto them. Like, <laughs> if the, the, it comes over the side, the way it barely misses them, like comically barely misses them on the way down and falls into that tree. And I'm like, that kid's dead, right? That kid, Timmy's got to be dead. <laughs> Only now at this point, back in the operations center, is John saying, hey, Bob, would you mind going and um, retrieving my grandchildren from the park? <laughs> yeah. And and Ellie offers to go with him. She's made it back there by this point. Mm-hmm. And she's like, hey, you know what? You've got grandkids out there. My soon-to-be husband's out there. Yeah. Let's go get them. And the thing is, is that Nedry is still driving around somewhere in the park. And because he's an idiot, he's crashed the Jeep onto the edge of this ravine. Mm-hmm. And he's trying to get the car back onto the road. But here's the thing. He's in the Dilophosaur habitat. Remember the first no-show dinosaur on the tour? Mm. That's the Dilophosaur. And if you've never seen this movie, the Dilophosaur, which Nedry encounters, is almost cute at first. Yeah. Because it's not super big, and it even makes these adorable little trilling noises. (laughs) What do you want? What do you want? You want food? Look at me. I just fell down a hill. I'm soaking wet. I don't have any food. I have no food on me. I have nothing on me. Come on. Nedry is actually trying to play fetch with the prehistoric predator. <laughs> See the stick? Stick, stupid. Yeah, go yeah. fetch. <laughs> and he tries to hoof it back up the ravine to the car. And this Dilophosaur is following him. And he very quickly finds out that the Dilophosaur can spit black venom. When he pulls it off his chest and it's like sticky. Which I hate to ruin the drama, but that's also not real. Well, no no scientist. Yeah, no, no scientist has ever been able to prove that a dinosaur can actually spit venom. You want to know why? Why? Because how could you determine that from bones? (laughs) You're you're right. You're right. I'm sorry that I yelled. (laughs) It's just a thing for dramatic effect, but it's very, it's very good. And so he goes. I kind of don't like watching this dinosaur then spit it in his face yeah no it spits it in his face and like he rubs it out of his eyes and gets back up into the car only to find the dilophosaur in the passenger seat and that thing demolishes his ass and the embryos roll down the ravine in the barbasol can and they're lost to the eroding mud in the storm so thank Gaia for small favors those embryos are not getting off the island I mean they went into a water stream yeah which will then flow off the island yeah but they're not yeah I know I know they're not getting anywhere in the ocean Back in the T-Rex paddock, Grant is juggling two panicking kids. You know, Lex is already traumatized. Oh, yeah, he rescued Timmy from the tree. Yeah, he had to climb that tree. And that kid's not dead, I don't know. Get Timmy out of the tree before the Jeep fell out of the tree. And now they're just wandering through the T-Rex paddock. And they, they find this other tree that conveniently has enough room for three people to sleep in it. I won't let go, Jack. <laughs> Stop it. Sorry. <laughs> That's not the vibe. Anyway. And, you know, on the tracks above, Muldoon and Sattler have found an injured Malcolm in the ruins of the latrine, but no Grant, no kids. There's also a Jeep missing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and a fence fallen. <laughs> and, like, they're... they're. Oh, oh, my God. Laura Dern's... Alice! 
<laughs> and like Malcolm is waiting for them to come back to the Jeep and he can hear the T-Rex coming. And <laughs> Carrie, this is fucking iconic. It is. He's like, come on, come on, come on, come on. We got to get out of here. Got to get out of here. Now, now, right now. Go, go, go. Let's go. Hey. Start the engine. Must go faster. Must go faster. Must go faster. <laughs> Which we referenced this when we covered Independence Day. No, Ross, we didn't just reference it. Must go faster happens in Independence Day. When they are getting out of the mothership. He says it. He did the same thing twice (laughs) in two movies. And they're both iconic. Must go faster. Must Must go go faster. Oh my God. The shot of Big Bertha in the rear view mirror. Or well, no, in the side mirror that says objects may be closer than they appear. But her teeth are literally at the mirror. <laughs> With the fences failed, these dinosaurs now have no separation. Yeah. They can all mingle. Uh-huh. Mingle. What is about to ensue? <laughs> Chaos. Oh, yeah. The theory is being proven. Mm-hmm. Like, And you know what? There's that whole scene where Hammond is licking his wounds in the visitor center. Okay. I hate this scene. I know. He's trying to explain to Sattler how he wanted to give people an attraction that they could actually reach out and touch. Something that wasn't fake. Something that wasn't an illusion. And I love Ellie in this moment because she's so pissed at him because he still doesn't get it. Yeah. What does she say to him? It's all an illusion. When we have control again. You've never had control. That's the illusion. I was overwhelmed by the power of this place. But I made a mistake, too. I didn't have enough respect for that power, and it's out now. Isa, oh my god. She, like, she, her wisdom is hot? Is that what you're saying? Yeah. <laughs> She's like, you know what I was doing two days ago? I was at peace. <laughs> I was digging up a velociraptor skeleton. I wasn't dealing with any of this. Now the man I love is most certainly dead. (laughs) And your grandkids probably dead also. Yeah. Like that next morning when Grant and the kids are waking up in that tree and that brachiosaur is just there trying to have some breakfast. The way that they, the way that most paleontologists agree that a brachiosaur's nasal cavity is on its forehead. Yeah. That's just great. I just love that detail. <laughs> Forehead that brachio, That brachiosaurus. Brachiosauri? Brachiosauri? Brachiosaurus? <laughs> the way that brachiosaurs are just breathing in and out of their forehead, I just think that's cool. <laughs> and like Lex goes up to pet it. Hey, come on, girl. Come on, up here, girl. Come on. Up here. God bless you! And it fucking sneezes on her. Oh! I thought maybe we could glaze. I didn't catch you in time. Uh. It's kind of sweet to watch him bond with these kids. Yeah, whatever. I get it. He's he was getting to like the kids and like all He hated kids at the beginning. What did he tell Lex? Because she was like, he left us. He left us. That's not. not- what I'm, I'm going to do. do. Yeah. I mean, he may not like kids, but at least he's not Gennaro abandoning them in the middle of a Tyrannosaurus Rex attack. So once they get down from the tree, Grant makes a disturbing discovery. Wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. <laughs> 
What did we find? Broken dinosaur eggshells. Paging Dr. Will! Paging Dr. Will! I thought we were all female. I thought we couldn't breed in the wild. Yeah, the dinosaurs are not supposed to be able to breed in the wild because they're allegedly all female, but... Because the scientists used frog DNA to complete the sequences, nature has found a loophole. Some West African frogs have been known to spontaneously change sex from male to female in a single-sex environment. Malcolm was right. Look. I found the way. Boy, I hate being right all the time. <laughs> Life, uh, 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 found a way. Yeah, no, th- <laughs> that smarmy leather-clad asshole was right. And so back at the visitor center, Hammond is positing that they shut down the entire system and reboot it in order to override Nedry's shenanigans. And Arnold doesn't want to do it because the whole system has never been shut down before and he's worried that nothing will come back on if they shut it down remember the only one of the only things that's currently on right now is the velociraptor enclosure yeah because even nedry knew better than to fuck with the raptor fences yep arnold's concerned but he still ends up going over to that panel and shuts everything down like have you tried turning jurassic park off and on again yeah <laughs> he waits a few seconds and flips all the switches on again. It's okay. Look, see that? It's off. It worked. Wait a minute. What do you mean it worked? Everything's still off. Well, maybe the shutdown tripped the circuit breakers. All we have to do is turn them back on, reboot a few systems in here, telephones, security doors, a half dozen others, but it worked. System's ready. Where are the breakers? Maintenance here, the other end of the compound. Three minutes, I can have power back on the entire park technical stuff in the last half of this film and I need y'all to just try and buckle down and stay with us I promise it will not be complicated and so Hammond Muldoon and Sattler go down into the emergency bunker and wait for Arnold to get back but he's gone for a really long time (laughs) so Sattler (laughs) yeah I know I know it's upsetting hold on Sattler and Muldoon volunteer to go look for him and get the systems back online. (laughs) And as soon as they leave the bunker, they realize the raptors have escaped during the system reboot, which is very big bad news! Now is the time to panic! (laughs) Apex Predators! Apex Predators! And you know who's out there leading all of them? Her. Her. (laughs) Oh my good God! Ladies and gentlemen. Her. <laughs> it's not five seconds that they're out here before they are being stalked by a raptor. Oh my god, Carrie! <laughs> Carrie! It's alright. Like hell it is. Run. Towards the shed. I've got her. Go. Now! <laughs> she's 
inside the maintenance shed, she radios Hammond, and Hammond starts talking her through the layout of the maintenance shed by reading her the schematic, <laughs> as he says oh my God. in his yeah, Scottish yeah. accent. Yeah. The schematic. The schematic. He leads her to the control box, and she starts to follow instructions for turning the power back on. But the problem is, is that elsewhere in the park, Grant, Lex, and Tim have currently reached the perimeter fence, and they are climbing this incredibly tall, not currently electrified fence. Oh my god, they have no idea what's going on. Yeah, they don't. They they know that the fences are down, but they don't know that Ellie's in the middle of trying to turn them back on. And Ellie don't know what they're doing either. Yeah, it's a very tense sequence where it cuts back and forth to Ellie completing each step while they are climbing over this fence. And, you know... Carrie. (laughs) Yeah? Listen. Yeah? (laughs) Yeah? Are you it? I'm such a bad person. Why? Because, you know, Timmy's scared, right? It's a height. It's dangerous. Like, Grant and Lex are already on the ground, and he can't jump down into his He's arms. He's so nervous, and I feel you, Tim. I yeah. do. But it's like, they're like, come on, just jump. I'll catch you, right? Mm-hmm. But Timmy can't do it. He's too afraid. <laughs> and Ellie's getting closer and closer to being done. Ellie, the red buttons turn on the individual park systems. Switch them on. The perimeter fence is the last button at the bottom she has to turn on. They know it's going to, they start to realize it's going to happen too because the lights are coming on. And like there's a horn noise. On the fences. And and they're like, Timmy, please just fucking jump. (laughs) And he can't do it. But he's, it's, he's mustering up the courage Carrie, I don't know if it's a dummy. I don't know if it's real. I don't I don't have enough time to pay attention because I have tears in my eyes from laughing at the shot of his body being electrified off the fence. I'm gonna count to three. One. So quick! <laughs> it's just like <laughs> I'm a bad person. <laughs> that poor little boy. That poor little boy. Ellie's very excited. They got the perimeter fences and everything turned no. back on. No. No. <laughs> no. No. What's wrong? I hate it. You hate what? I hate what happens next. Because there's a raptor in the shed with her. Oh my god. This whole time. Yeah. Hey, that raptor was patiently waiting. Yeah. <laughs> Why? Why? Why was it just waiting for her to get everything turned back on? Do you think that's her or one of her minions? <laughs> I don't know. Okay. But, like, she's running from this thing inside the maintenance shed, backs herself up against another wall. <laughs> Sam L. Jackson's arm falls out on her shoulder. Oh, Mr. Arnold. Detached arm or scream. <laughs> it's kind of camp. It is. I know. <laughs> that arm is so fake. 
like, I, I don't know how else to describe it. <laughs> it's so amazing. It's like it's almost like a parody moment. Like I don't know. <laughs> I don't know how many raptors are currently moving about. I think there's only three because Ellie manages to lock one of them in the maintenance shed. Right. You're right. There are only three because there were eight to begin with, and she killed all but two. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And so the other two are currently hunting Muldoon. And remember what Grant said, how one distracts the prey while the other pounces. And like he's fixated on that one raptor. And then all at once, another one comes out on his right. And it comes right up to his face through the through the leaves. Clever girl. You know what? He went down like a hero. He did. I miss Hagrid already. (laughs) (laughs) So that's Muldoon down. Just for a current body count. (laughs) Muldoon is dead. Arnold and Nedry are dead. And we almost lost him, but Grant manages to revive him with mouth to mouth. You know, and so... That would have been... Yeah, this is a Spielberg movie. It would have been harrowing if a child died, you know? like You know what? They actually pur- they actually purposefully excised a scene from the book where a raptor kills a child. Because oh, Spielberg was like, well, that's bleak. That's, We're not doing that. That's too much. That's too much. And so Grant and the kids finally make it back to the visitor center... And he tells the kids to stay put in the center while he goes back out in search of the others. Again, he has no idea what's going on. Like, I don't... He somehow finds Sattler. They've been separated since the Triceratops. Yeah. All that they've been through without each other. The, I know. The way they run to each other mm-hmm. in, in that field. Like, it's so... Uh, run. Ellie! And then the kids are just trying to have something to eat in the center. And there, I love that shot of Lex with <sighs> the spoonful of jello holding it up to her mouth. And she's shaking because she can see the shadow of the raptor behind Tim. Christ on sale. These children. This is her water scene. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> but it's, no, it's, it's jello. It's jello. <laughs> And, like, this is my favorite scene. Is it really? The kitchen scene? I mean, I get it. The suspense. Because the kids get into the kitchen and make sure that door is latched tight. And they hide at one end of a prep table, thinking to themselves, well, dinosaurs don't have thumbs. They can't open doors, right? Wrong! That raptor slowly pushes the handle down and then pushes that door open because that's how fucking smart they are. They remember. They remember. They can open doors! They learn! And I hate the way the subtitles in this movie refer to those raptor noises as purring. Oh! Like they're kittens. Oh, that's a detail I missed. Yeah, no. Oh! That noise they're making. -uh. Nuh-uh. Shut the fuck up. Both of those raptors come into the kitchen and start stalking around looking for them. This is a completely special kind of fear. Yeah. Because it's not like we're dealing with a lion. 
mm-hmm. in the jungle or something coming to get you. This is a prehistoric predator. Yeah. It's a colossal bird lizard. <laughs> yeah. It might as well be an alien. Remember? It might as well be from another fucking planet. Remember Grant describing that middle toe talon? Oh, with the tapping on yeah. the floor. It's tapping on the floor. Like, where are you? Where I, I went. To, <laughs> I smell you, thief. Yeah. You know? And so... <laughs> like, the, that, like, I just can't even imagine this actually happening. Yeah, to no, me. it's something when you're a kid and you watch this, you feel a special connection to that fear. And that's why it's key to make this scene happen with the kids. Yeah, like, those kids are alone. Yeah. There are no adults with guns here to help them. And they are just scurrying around on all fours, trying not to get caught. Two raptors against two kids. This should be over immediately. <laughs> but. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Lex manages to outsmart the raptors by making them think she's in a cabinet at the end of the line. Oh my god. Oh my god, Carrie. <laughs> my heart. I know. Uh, the beating of my heart when she's trying to get, get the. It's really just a reflection of her trying to cram herself into a dish, Caddy. Yeah. And that raptor smashes into that reflection and gets knocked out momentarily. And Tim, the human piece of toast, manages... (laughs) I love that line. When Grant calls him a human piece of toast. He manages to lock the other raptor in the freezer. Get these kids capes. Like... (laughs) Team them up and make them solve crimes. Like The kids link back up with Grant and Sattler in mission control, but they can't lock the doors against that last raptor until the systems are back online. Her. Yeah, her. (laughs) And there are no adults left alive who know how to work the computers. Fuck. (laughs) And this is where Lex... And her computer hacking skills come in. I wrote in all capital letters, how fucking convenient. (laughs) It's a unique system. I know this. It's all the files of the whole park. It tells you everything. Um, I gotta find the right file. Trying to reach the gun. So while she's tippy-tapping away at the keyboard... This is pretty great. It is pretty great. She manages to fix this pretty quickly. Grant and Sattler are trying to hold the door against the raptor, and she's like, I've got it, I've got it, I can do it! And Laura Dern going, come on, come on! <laughs> and she gets them closed! I wrote, at a girl! This is a what? A 10-year-old? Like an 11, 12, 13-year-old, yeah! Oh my yeah. god! She saved all of them! Lex... The hero. (laughs) And they get everything back. Phones, computer systems, everything. Crown, Mr. Hammond, the phones are working. Children alive? The children are fine. Call the mainland. Tell them to send the damn helicopters. They're gonna come through the glass! The raptor actually breaks through the glass. Ah! <laughs> Come on! I thought we were done with you! 
so Grant Sattler and the kids <laughs> have to hoist themselves into the duck system, which empties them out in the main hall of the visitor center. They have to climb down on top of that T-Rex skeleton model. Oh, yeah, that's in the center of the room. The, yeah. ro- the rotunda, if you will. It, yeah, it is kind of rotunda-esque. And that buys us a few more minutes of peril, watching them all swing around <laughs> on these dinosaur parts. <laughs> a few more minutes of peril. <laughs> Steven Spielberg's famous for that. You know? <laughs> and like that comes to a crescendo with the horrific realization that both of the other raptors, the one that was trapped in the maintenance shed and the one that was trapped in the freezer, they've both escaped. What the fuck? Because they can work doorknobs. I just, I I can't. Yeah, I, but advanced aliens in science can't work pantry doors. <laughs> See signs. <laughs> They're cornered, Grant, Sattler, and the kids. They are cornered in the middle of the visitor center. They're their kids now. Just saying. <laughs> yeah. Uh, no We're kidding. just going to take their mother out of the picture. No, can you imagine if that mother knew the extent of what went on here? I would never let my kids go to visit grandpa ever again. I would simply die. <laughs> but yeah, they're cornered in the middle of the visitor center It's this last second for me that's absolutely exquisite because one of those raptors gets up on its hind legs and looks like it's going to take a bite out of Grant. And then all of a sudden, somehow no one noticed that Big Bertha has entered the scene. (laughs) Bertha! And she snaps that velociraptor out of the air, allows them to get away. Big Bertha was also a hero. <laughs> no, Na- nature one. The, the food thing. chain worked. I think that's really cool because the nature that was originally being controlled ended up saving them in the lack of control, right? It's poetic. We've let the nature take its own course. Yeah, we've stopped trying to control it. Number one, because we can't anymore. And number two, because it will. And you know what? I would like that ending even more if there were not five more movies. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. We'll talk about it in a second. Hold on. Yeah. I th- you know I think I would like to amend what I said about my favorite shot in the movie. Uh-huh. I do love the tyrannosaur coming through the paddock, mm-hmm. but I think my actual favorite shot in the movie yeah? is Big Bertha standing in front of a skeleton of an ancestor of hers. <laughs> yeah. And letting out that big roar. Give it to me. Give it to me, Carrie. Sattler and the kids, they're running down the front steps of the visitor center just as Hammond and Malcolm are pulling up in that gas jeep. Malcolm, who's been injured this whole time and laying on a table being sexy. (laughs) And Carrie? Yeah? Carrie? What? Remember the statue of Jeff Goldblum that's in London? Yeah. Of him laying on his side like that? (laughs) Like he is in Jurassic Park? You can come and sit on a bench and look at it. 
<laughs> it's along the River Thames. We are so doing that the next time we go to London. Yeah. <laughs> Going to look at Jeff Goldblum <laughs> in repose. <laughs> Sorry, keep going. And Grant is getting in the car. <laughs> and he goes, Mr. Hammond, after careful consideration, I've decided not to endorse your park. So have I. <laughs> you think? Yeah. I do think. <laughs> <laughs> I can't I can't breathe. It, so we all take off to the toy helicopter and we get the fuck away, right? And I hate this cheesy moment. Yeah. <laughs> At the end, when he's like, I was right all along. No. The dinosaurs are the birds. No 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 no. Grant is looking out the window of the helicopter and he sees these birds, they might be pelicans. I'm not great with birds, but they're flying alongside the helicopter. And I feel like, I, I agree with you. This moment is cheesy. It's just reinforcing the notion that nature should be allowed to naturally evolve without mankind's involvement, right? Yes. We should not be playing God with the dino DNA. Much in the way that Titanic teaches us this lesson, Uh I feel like Jurassic Park, not dissimilarly, kind of teaches us the same lesson. Like, we were spending so much time figuring out whether or not we could, we didn't stop to think whether or not we should. There's that, but like, I think it really just reinforces that man, however much they may try to be, Mm -hmm. they are not the masters of the universe. Yeah. (laughs) To have the gall to call a ship unsinkable or to say that you can control an extinct ecosystem. Mm -hmm. The hubris. We are, we really think we're hot shit. Yeah. Us human beings. (laughs) And you know what? We are a little bit. Yeah. We made it to the, we made it to the moon. (laughs) You know, like that's fucking incredible. We, we crawled out of the ocean, became (laughs) bipedal and went to the moon. It's pretty good. Yeah. It took a lot of time, but like. (laughs) Maybe we shouldn't also be digging around in the past and playing with, you know, mosquito blood. Leave that shit alone. Like Malcolm said. He had it from the beginning. I swear to God. (laughs) Nature selected them for extinction. I know that we would all like to live in a world where we could go maybe pet a dinosaur. But guys, think about billions of years from now when people will, or maybe not people, whatever new organism takes over the earth, Mm -hmm. you know, after whatever fresh hell makes us extinct, (laughs) think about how they're going to dig up our bones and draw pictures of what we might have looked like. (laughs) Yeah. And then make theme park attractions out of us. Like, Ooh, now there's a great story. <laughs> Welcome to Holocene Park. <laughs> See, but for all of Malcolm's wisdom in this first movie, he comes back for the sequel. Okay. Can well, you believe there are five more of these movies? So here's the thing. I have not seen any of the movies between the first one and Jurassic World. Oh, the Chris Pratt one. Yeah. Okay. And that was cool. 
I liked I liked that movie. I also did. However, I knew none of the canon lore mm-hmm. of how we got from the end of Jurassic Park to there being a brand new theme park mm-hmm. complete with more dinosaurs. <laughs> yup. Because in the book, Carrie, in the book, Carrie, yeah. the government of Costa Rica <laughs> is like, did anyone see the dinosaurs in the jungle? And they're like, why are there raptors roaming around the Costa Rica jungle? How did they get to the mainland? How did they get off the island? Well, they don't get off the island in the first movie, but it eventually happens. Like, that's the thing. <laughs> I don't get it. I know, I know, I know. And, like, yes, I'm not going to deny it. A lot about this canon is very silly, especially but, what, when... You mean because it's allowed to happen six more times? Yes, like... yes. It is very silly, especially when you get into the newer movies. But here's what I like about this story and this narrative. You know, if you've ever if you've ever taken an advanced English class, they'll eventually tell you that there are basically three main narrative structures, right? Man versus himself, man versus man, and man versus nature, right? Uh-huh. I feel like this is one of the best examples of man versus nature that has ever been written. And yes, I am basing that mostly on the movie, not necessarily on the book, but Michael Crichton, you know, thanks for this. Yeah. Like this Glad was- you won all those prizes. Yeah. Like- finally did it, guys. We finally did Jurassic Park. <laughs> We've been I'm, talking about that forever. I'm kind of glad. I'm sorry. I'm kind of sad that's over. Yeah, me that too. That was fun. Great first recording, bestie. Yes! Uh, oh my gosh! First recording back! Alright, guys. Next week, we have an emotional favorite coming at ya. Oh my god. Guys, next week, we will be talking about the tear, the infamous tearjerker, dinosaur animated classic, the land before time. This is going to be a refresher for me. Yeah, I haven't seen this since we were little. Yeah, this is going to be strange. But yeah. <laughs> we'll see, we'll see, we'll see. In the meantime, guys, please go over and follow us on Twitter at Kick and Stream. That's K I C K N S T R E A M. If you want to write the show, you can do so at Kicking and Streaming Podcast at gmail.com. That's with an and, not an ampersand. And don't forget, folks, please be practicing the three R's rate, review, retweet. Rate, review, you retweet folks we want everyone to come and join our little dinosaur watch party and to see how elon musk bought twitter to control the narrative <laughs> and don't forget to go check out the patreon guys guys for just five dollars a month you too can be a little onion contributor at the five dollar level we've got all of our bonus content over there all of our television coverage all of our long form coverage it's going to be great recommend to a friend all seven of us are just chilling in there <laughs> come join the party you get thousands of minutes of content you sign up right now More quality content coming to you from kicking and streaming. Until then, I'm Carrie. And as always, sorry mom.